Hello, Jason. Good morrow, Tyler. <laughs> uh, uh, I have a query to oh. lay upon you. That sounds painful. To, to present before you. Uh, okay. This is, I'm going to give you a choice. Oh, okay. B. Uh, no, no, no. Oh, okay. So uh, this is a, this is a constructed, this is like a um, forensics uh, team okay. kind of situation. Okay. So you have to, you're going to, you're going to be assigned a side or I'm going to let you pick the side. Okay. Here's the question. Who is better? Bugs Bunny or Mickey Mouse? Bugs Bunny. Which, so you're going to ch- Without okay. even the slightest so hesitation. I will t- I, yeah. I, I was happy to take uh, either one. Yeah. So apparently you're choosing Bugs Bunny. Tell us why. Okay. So uh, first of all, I didn't quite carry. This is like a. This is like a. Wait, wait. Except you can't use that because that's a single-use plastic, and you're gonna out it's yourself. It's not. To it. It's metal. <laughs> that doesn't count. <laughs> no, it's not plastic. I guess I. Yeah, I guess it doesn't count. Okay. This good. is. Wait. Look at this. I was a little concerned how I'm gonna Do you see consume Lacroix. Lacroix. Yeah, whatever. Go on their website. It says Lacroix. Okay. Lacroix. La Cola. Oh. This is. It tastes like cola. Yeah. In a weird way, and it's just like here. Yeah. Taste it. Look at it first. It's clear. Yeah, it is. Yeah. What? Huh. That's like. And here, what I would say even more so, it doesn't quite taste like it. tastes like empty cola. Yeah. But then your burp's going to taste like you just were drinking, drinking huh. Coke. Yeah. Wow. Okay, anyway, so this is like. Uh, this is super weird. Uh, you can get it at Whole Foods. I'm excited. Yeah. This is like. Uh, so the Pittsburgh Zoo and PPG. Aquarium logo. Yeah. Are you familiar? Oh, it's my favorite logo of all time. Yeah. Favorite logo of all time. It's been around Pittsburgh. If you've been in Pittsburgh, we're gonna we'll put a link to it. Yeah. It's been the same logo for forever. Uh, but it's a tree. But if you look closely at it, it's actually the face of I think what a, a leopard and a leopard a, and a bear. Something. Yeah. That are facing each other. It's it's one of those weird optical illusion type logos. And there's like dolphins at the bottom. Yeah. Yeah. Leaping. Yeah. You can't unsee it. Once you've seen it. Yeah. Right? You pointed out to me a while ago that Mickey Mouse is way too altruistic all the time. Yeah, he's Superman. Right. Well, I didn't want to go that far. <laughs> but I I agree with you. Superman is not a great character. Shut it. <laughs> nine wing one. Or nine wing eight. What am I? <laughs> Angry is what I... Anyway, uh, he's too altruistic all the time. Uh, it, it, it constantly um, just the goody goody. Yeah, yeah. Bugs Bunny is mischievous on a level. One might call him a stinker. Oh, he's so funny. Uh, and, and and not like he's trying to cause harm, but if you mess with Bugs Bunny, Bugs Bunny's going to mess back. Uh, this means war. Yeah. 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 Uh, Bugs Bunny and Elmer Fudd to get oh, some of the best cartoons in my life. I also, back to the, the rewatchables episode, I have a very emotional attraction to Looney Tunes in general. Yeah. Uh, just because... When I went over to my grandparents' house, that's like all they had for kids. Oh uh, yeah. So like, Looney Tunes is so great. Oh, uh, I think I said a, a, a while ago on the podcast how my goal when I was a kid, or when I was before I had kids, was that my kids would only watch Looney Tunes, uh, and that that would be their their education because it tells you about like actual humor, like really uh, clever stuff, and it tells you about classical music, 
which I oh, thought yeah. was great. And I, that w- I was all excited for that. And then I started to watch stuff like as we were pregnant with our first kid and realized Looney Tunes is insanely violent. Yeah. <laughs> and so we have had to, we are just now leaning them Dial into Dial it back, yeah. 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 And a little racist. Like, so you have to watch out on the, like, the racist stuff yeah. in Looney Tunes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is of the era, but it's not excusable. It's still just. Right. You don't have. Not, it's not that would always. Be, it's not always that way. Usually, that would be yeah. interesting because I haven't watched Looney Tunes since I was. I yeah. don't know, especially 10. against like Japanese and Asian people. Like yeah. The 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 blackface stuff you can see a little easier, and they they get it's like the real old stuff that gets into the the racist against African Americans, but uh, the the Japanese racist stuff is yeah, it's very okay. of the time in the 1940s. Yeah. In, right. A war against uh, Asia. Yeah. Japan. But that said, I would. Well, let me. Let me follow up your question. Sure. Who's your favorite Looney Tunes? Like, what segment combination of characters is the... I have an answer. Like, it's just... Well, I have an answer, too. Yeah. It's the Coyote and Roadrunner. Oh! That wasn't mine. Coyote oh. and Roadrunner. That's that's gut laughs. It's it, it's so funny. Unbelievably... It's so funny. Again, unbelievably violent. Oh, insanely violent. But... Yeah. So funny. But unbelievably funny. My favorite was going to be Daffy Duck. I love Daffy Duck. Daffy Duck is... I Watching him get angry is one of the funniest things. <laughs> Daffy Duck is so funny. Especially the ep- the one episode where he's like yelling at the cartoonist and the cartoonist keeps erasing oh, yeah. him. Yeah, that one's... Daffy Duck is... That's comedy right there. Yeah. Yeah. So the, yeah, for... Things for, filled with burps. Sorry about that. Now, what's interesting is I say that now. When I was a kid, Mickey Mouse was a rarity. Wait. I... Ready for my counterpoint? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Go ahead. Okay. I mean, do you want to? You can share your point unless it's about. Well, no. I say I still have a soft spot for Mickey Mouse because the Disney Channel was premium at that point. You yeah. couldn't get it unless you paid for it, and we didn't have it. Yeah. Um, so, like, there was a mystique around Mickey Mouse of like, if you see Mickey Mouse, you're getting away with something. Yeah. Uh, but Bugs Bunny was ubiquitous. That was he was everywhere. So here's why I would say Mickey Mouse is better. Oh, okay. Mickey Mouse is premium. Yeah. It's top. It's quality. Mickey Mouse is a logo. So Mickey yeah. Mouse not only represents, um, uh, Mickey Mouse is not just about, about making you laugh. It, it's a seal of approval. It's a sign of something uh, of a certain quality. It represents entertainment. It represents um, uh, a land of creativity and imagination. Even seeing the ear somewhere, like it's all over everything Disney. Disney... Um, Puts its trademark on. Yeah, this is. I'm in forensics no, here, I'm, baby. I'm working on my counter yeah, argument. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and it it's so it has moved beyond just the character. Yeah. That it represents something bigger. To your to your point that Mickey Mouse is too um, goody goody. Yeah. Which at times I have also. Made. <laughs> um, I would say yes. Uh, but in the the original cartoons, Mickey is a stinker, yeah, and uh, a uh, like fronts up against authority, and very Chaplin esque in that sense. In the uh, and I used to have problems with Mickey until they kind of rebooted him in the cartoons that I, they've been putting out for the past all oh, like eight years. I really appreciate these new runs that are fantastic. They're so and good. Mickey gets back to the Mickey is a little stinker. Yeah. And he's up against authority and he's kind of going against the man and he gets angry. He gets frustrated. He is sti- but they still manage to make him a nice guy. Yeah. So they they retain the nice guyness of Mickey, but he also gets really frustrated like he used to. And is willing to. This means war. Like he has a lot of the, 
the things that he started off with. So one could say he has a lot of the attributes of Bugs Bunny. Yep. But he predated Bugs Bunny with those attributes and lost them by the time that, like, once you get to the 40s, the Bugs Bunny's there. Mickey has lost that. But Mickey had that stuff. So it's not just copying Bugs Bunny and going back to it. It's not like they're just, well, let's make Mickey Mouse if he was in Looney Tunes. No, let's make Mickey Mouse as though we made him in the 20s, 30s. Right. Up to the, like, before Fantasia. Yes. The Mickey Mouse that is, that gets really angry, (laughs) that really is ingenious with trying to do stuff and um, is constantly coming up with the foibles and and trying to buck the system yeah now so mickey mouse is better i I, i'm gonna politely disagree and here's why uh the ears as the symbol of something i will say is the symbol of capitalism yeah you mark my words you don't like making money the the greedy over consumptionist how much how much money am i gonna have to shell out to walk into disney world right this second just me as of right now, it's like $120. For an amusement park yeah. like that. How much money does it cost to go to Cedar yeah. Point? I don't know. $120. Yeah, see, that's too much. Yeah. Give me Kennywood any day. And here's Kennywood my... costs like $60. Which is, just quick math. Is it high quality? Half. High quality? Yes. Is, ha- is Disney... Kennywood is half as good as Disney World? I would say maybe not quite even yeah, half no. as bad. Oh, oh, what? Yeah. Yeah, I'm putting your, it out there. Your standards are very low, sir. They really are. But here's... <laughs> Here's the line that made me crack I, up. In I my enjoy head. Kennywood. Yeah. Kennywood is maybe a tenth as is. I could go to Kennywood for a week and not have nearly, not have half as much fun as I'd have at Disney World for one hour. I, I, I think Bugs Bunny is the indie band of cartoons. <laughs> That's the line that was in my head that made me crack up a little bit. It's, yeah. it's not the capitalistic suit and tie Mickey Mouse man. He's, uh, he's fighting the system, that Bugs Bunny. He's not associated with any theme parks, not associated with any... Well, oh, he might oh, be. Oh, have Is you he? not been to Six Flags? No, I haven't. It's all it's all Bugs Bunny. Again, my, my standards are pretty low for <laughs> theme parks. Uh, yeah, I think uh, I think Bugs Bunny's the way to go. He's your indie rock cartoon. Yeah, um, he he's definitely sold out quite a lot, Bugs Bunny. <laughs> Uh, let me let me t- remind you of a little thing called Space Jam. Yeah, okay, I'll give you that. Yeah, all of the '90s when <laughs> all of the shirts had all of the Looney Tunes on them. Yeah, I think ta- in the hip hop clothes. I think Tasmanian Devil sold out way oh, harder. Taz than Bugs was Bunny the did. was the biggest sellout, but there are many Bugs Bunny in hip hop stuff. That, yeah, it's like, there. Yeah, it's cultural appropriation, Bugs Bunny. Yeah, uh, and not to say that Mickey didn't do that, but Mickey never pretended to not do that. <laughs> so. And also, I think that you have to say that Mickey is better. Whether you like it or not, Mickey has more power. I mean, yeah. Mickey's the king of the... I mean, he has to win in the... You can say, like, yeah, he's cooler because he's underground. But do you want to be the Beatles or do you want to be the, the Kinks? I want to be the Kinks. <laughs> I think I think the Kinks would rather be the Beatles. Yeah, I don't know about that. The, the pile of money that all the Beatles is sitting on. I think also, it's pretty attractive. This is an aside... I really, I don't want to do this, but I want to go see the Rolling Stones when they're coming to Pittsburgh in a couple of weeks. You know how much those tickets cost? I do. Those are raging against the machine prices. I'm gonna, I'm gonna sneak in on Leap Day, uh, <laughs> but I just want to see men that age rocking do anything, even remotely like a rock and roll show. Yeah. The nice thing about the Rolling Stones is that they've always moved like old men. Yeah. Right. And so, like awkward, like weird, like, what is that guy doing? Yeah. Yeah. Now they just do it a little bit slower. I just can't fathom that being an entertaining evening, and I'm willing to go with an open mind. So if you have an extra Rolling Stones ticket, yeah, 
hit me up on Twitter. I'll come with you because I am just so curious. Yeah, I'd, I'd see that too. To if see we, if, if they could actually to, show up. Yeah. yeah, if you're a radio station out there, you want to hear two people's responses to <laughs> Rolling Stones. Yeah, but, I will give you a free unbiased review yeah. of, yeah. It's almost getting that way for you too. Yeah, yeah. I think so. I haven't seen you too. I'd like to see you too, but I think that it's that they're old men now Yep, trying to do something, trying to prove their relevance. Yep. Anyway, uh, so I think clearly uh, we're in agreement that Mickey Mouse is better. Uh, that's your opinion. <laughs> so, uh, I'm Tyler. Uh, and I'm Jay. And this is Rubbing the Buzzer. Rubbing the Buzzer. Just as good since that episode came out. How's uh, how's your plastics doing? I'm. I haven't used any since we started that challenge. <laughs> that's good. You almost did. You you did right I after did. the challenge. Yeah. But that's that's pretty much. Okay. So uh, the uh, I think I mentioned briefly before on the episode. I uh, I have a burgeoning career as a Hollywood actor. Yes. Uh, and by Hollywood, I mean from Pittsburgh, Hollywood via Pittsburgh. Yeah. I now have been in two Hollywood productions. I know about the Mr. Rogers movie. Yes, it's a Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Is that what it's called? I think so. And I think it just came out, cause, which is great because I didn't see it. It's streaming. Yeah. 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 I never saw it. It's a good movie. I would like um, to see it. And I am highly featured in a very prominent scene. Yeah. So I was I was an extra because that movie was filmed in Pittsburgh and, and you can be extras and somehow like... Uh, through kind of weird ways, my wife uh, used to work at a camera rental business, and one of the clients who rented cameras uh, also was a casting director for local Pittsburgh stuff. And there's not tons of people in Pittsburgh, and so um, they're always looking for extras. A lot of stuff films in Pittsburgh, uh, film a lot of stuff films in Pittsburgh. Yeah, that's correct. Yep. Um, and so she got on the casting call for uh, she got in a show called Mindhunter, which is a yes. great show on Netflix. Um. And when you are a background actor, you basically get in it and you can't see you. Right. Um, but then there was an open casting call for the Mr. Rogers thing, which was also clearly filmed in Pittsburgh and wanted to be obviously filmed in Pittsburgh. So yeah. you can see it's from Pittsburgh. Um, and then um, so we went and they wanted everybody. So we went the whole family went to the convocation center or the convention center in um, downtown Pittsburgh. The and David L. Lawrence. Thousands of people. Yep. Yeah. We waited for like an hour to just have them take our picture. They took pictures of all five members of our family and then we forgot about it. And then about two months later, we got a call for me (laughs) to come in. And I said, so is this for me or for the whole family? They're like, Oh, just you. So you are the most photogenic member. I am the, well, I think that it's, I am the most, uh, nondescript white guy (laughs) that they needed. Like I I fit the background (laughs) character. (laughs) And so I was in a scene uh, where I came for the day and there was probably a hundred extras, maybe between 80 and a hundred extras uh, that they hired for this scene. And uh, I think there were a couple different setups. No, we just did one setup. So it's a scene that takes place in the movie. It's like the centerpiece of the, of the movie. Yeah. And it's a scene that takes place in a Chinese restaurant. Um, 
And so there are people in the restaurant and then they are sitting by a window. And so there are people outside the window walking, both walking immediately across the, like on the sidewalk, right outside the window and then walking on the sidewalk across the street. So I'm not in the, in the, uh, restaurant. I'm not right outside the window. I'm across the street. Yeah. So that all, and that happened. So Tom Hanks is inside. I saw Tom Hanks uh, playing Miss Rogers through the window. He was waving at people. He's being super nice. So I saw Tom Hanks inside a restaurant a hundred feet away. That's how close I got to Tom Hanks. Um, And yet, so, and all day, all I'm doing is walking back and forth. Yeah. And it's set in like 1998. So they said, bring clothes from the nineties. If you don't have it, we'll, we'll like, we have a good, um, uh, wardrobe department here will match you up. And so I showed up with some stuff. I was like, maybe this will work. And they're like, oh yeah, all that's perfect. And I was like, yeah. And then I realized like, wait a minute, <laughs> these are all clothes like Aww. still in my regular rotation. Uh, so my fashion hasn't changed. I'm since wearing, the 90s. yeah, I'm wearing like khaki pants and a corduroy jacket. Yeah. Like a brown corduroy jacket. Um, both of which I keep still have the khakis, but I don't have the jacket anymore. Uh, and then like a sweater, like a blue, red, white, and blue sweater. That's a zip up, like very, it's a very two thousands sweater that I realized at that point, but it could have been, I think I got it when I was in high school. So it's like a 1999 type sweater. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and again, I'm across the street. So in all the, so I'm walking back and forth all day, uh, during this thing. And then, um, when I go to see the movie, I think there's probably no chance you're going to see me because one, I'm really far away and um, there's a ton of people. Yeah. So in that scene, which the scene itself takes probably six minutes, which is pretty long for a That's movie. Yeah. Um, and it's a center point of the scene where, where Mr. Rogers is talking to the main character. Mr. Rogers is a supporting character in this movie. Right. Uh, he's talking to the main character. And at one point he says a thing that Mr. Rogers had said during like their, their clips. Uh, he did this during a, a um, uh, an award show one time where he said, I want you to take a minute and think about the people in your life who have made a difference and take a solid minute and I'll keep track of the time for you. And the movie actually stops and takes a, a full minute. Wow. A 60 second. And it's just silence where, and the guys at first, like, this is weird and I'm not gonna do it. And he's like, no, just do it. And so it, it's a really powerful f- thing and that he does it. And slowly the camera starts to show that everybody else in the restaurant is also quiet and looking at Mr. Rogers <laughs> and then Mr. Rogers, uh, and this won't really ruin it for you. Uh, Mr. Rogers, it's like, it's like slowly kind of, you see him and then you see Mr. Rogers and then Mr. Rogers kind of slowly looks at the camera and is looking at you Yeah, as the audience. And you're like, Ooh, Oh, ooh, I'm got me. And so, uh, and then the minute ends and that's it. And what subtly the director did during that is that there's constantly people walking by the window. Yeah. Like during the whole lead up to that scene. And when he starts timing, suddenly the people stop. Huh. And so you don't really notice it. It's just all of a sudden there's a stillness in this movie that's done by all these different little subtle things. And one of the things is that this barrage of people walking by the window, there's nobody walking by in the window. Yeah. So out of these hundred or so people that have been, uh, that were there on that day, you actually see probably four of them. Okay. Uh, because everyone that you see that they visibly show inside. The, yeah. Well, no, no, no. Like not even see people like you can see them, but they, they're none of them are even shown on screen. You see like two people walk by the screen, by the window outside of him. Uh, and then everybody that they show in the restaurant is actually like Mr. Rogers, actual family members. Mr. McFeely's there, like not uh, dresses, Mr. McFeely. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. they're all like cameos of people who were important to the show so if you know who they are they're like ah this is like a little easter egg of those people right so none of the extras inside the the restaurant actually get seen at all but 
you see like three people who are walking across the street. You see me twice. Hey. So you see, right when he says you need to be silent, you see me walk across the screen, literally between the two, between Mr. Rogers and this other guy, like just walk across the screen. Cause it's just them and the sidewalk across the street. So you see me. And again, it's not like you would see me and be like, that's Tyler. But if you know, now you know that what I'm you're telling you, yeah. you can see me. And then as soon as the thing ends, I'm the first person Loop to walk back, back across the, yeah. the, which is weird. Cause I remember at the time saying, isn't this going to be confusing that I kind of walk one way and then walk the other. And I was walking with people the first time. And then I was walking by myself the second time. And they said, no, you were just like at lunch with your friend and you walked him back to his office and then you have to walk back. To your yeah. Like, yeah. Okay. Um, so that's my first experience. I just, uh, this this past week, it worked out on my day off that I got called in for another, uh, now, apparently now I'm on this list. I got called in for this movie that's called the happiest season. Okay. And it doesn't, uh, it fall. W- it, it will probably, yeah, it's about fall. <laughs> it's a, it's a Christmas movie uh-huh. and it, Probably so. Probably, I, my guess is that it will come out in Christmas 2020 because it is currently March of 2020. It was February yeah. when when we filmed it, um, and it stars Kristen Stewart of okay. Twilight fame, yeah, and Catch That Kid fame. I think yeah. that's another movie she's in. Um, and then Mackenzie Davis, who was in the newest um, Terminator movie. Okay, she was the other woman who's the not Sarah Connor, um, and then. Uh, and so from both of those, like I got the call and I was like, I don't really want to give my day off. And then I looked at other people in the cast. Other people are Allison Brie from mm-hmm. uh, Community yeah. uh, and like Mad Men and Glow. Uh, Aubrey Plaza, who was in uh, Parks and Rec. Yep. And uh, Daniel Levy, who mm-hmm. is in uh, the show that I think we, I can't remember if we decided we were saying or not. I'll bleep it out. It's Creek, yep. uh, which is a fantastic show. Eugene Levy's son. They're all in it. I was like, okay, I could take the day to do this. It's just kind of fun. And I'd be willing to be in a movie with the, maybe I'll get to see those people. So I, I went and uh, I saw Abby Plaza from across the street and Kristen Davis and Mackenzie uh, or Kristen Stewart and Mackenzie Davis. I saw a bunch of, so the scene that I'm, I'm in one scene where I'm walking across the street uh, again, wearing my own jacket. I, I was t- another corduroy jacket that I have. Another like, this period is great. piece. Yeah. It's yeah. not a period piece. So okay. this, they were like, we love this jacket. And I love the jacket too. So I'm wearing a brown corduroy jacket. And the first one, that's like a old, like it's a vintage jacket that I got from Goodwill for like 10 bucks. Um, and in a Doctor Who scarf that my wife made. Um, and then the rest of the scene is takes place in a bar. And it's like the characters getting it. So the whole premise is that it's these two women who are, who are dating and have been dating for a while and though and they go back home to the one woman's family for like Christmas. Yeah. And they've been dating for a while and Kristen Stewart has the idea that she wants to propose to her girlfriend at this family gathering. And then once she gets there, she realizes her girlfriend has not come out to anyone. Uh. So and they've been together for a while. So she hasn't come out to her family and hasn't come out to like any of her friends or anything. And they go back and they meet up with like her boyfriend, her boyfriend from high school. So, uh, so that's the premise, which yeah. is kind of interesting premise. And uh, so the longer I realized two things over the course of this. So mo- the majority of it's in this bar scene where uh, it's just filled with people in it. And I realized uh, at least based on this bar scene, I think one this is probably not going to be a very good movie. Yeah. Right. Uh, and two, I am 100% going to be featured a lot because <laughs> there are several times that I am straight up like 
on camera unless they have a real soft focus, which I don't think they will. And I'm there are several times. I also will be jumping throughout the bar. <laughs> like there will be many shots where I'm on one side of the shot, then I'm also on the other side of the yeah. shot. And depending on how well made this movie is, I you'll either see me time travel like from across the bar. <laughs> but there are times like I'm right behind Kristen Stewart where she like is in one shot and then walks out of the bar and then I'm on the reverse shot at that too. I also uh, straight up just look at the camera a bunch of times because I realized the camera is right there in my eyesight and yeah. I just looked at, like dead like right down the barrel of it um, and I'm just making fun of if you see me in it there's one they, they get to a point where apparently everybody in the bar is really drunk it's also very confusing because like we are with certain people early in the night and then they're with completely different people which never happens you don't go to a bar and just mix with other people unless it's like a high school reunion yeah uh, but I am laughing because I'm making fun of all the extras pretending to be drunk. Like I can't stop laughing at how dumb everybody else looks, which probably is what I would do in a yeah, bar right. anyway. That's just a character acting. So um, the whole reason of getting into that is that the the part of being a background actor is not being um, noticed. noticed. Yeah. And one of the interesting and kind of frustrating things about being in these shows is that it's, it's really fun. You just kind of get to see how the sausage is made. You're just part of something. You're not. You're not a star. No one's going to get discovered for being an act extra. Right. But there's a bunch of people who do this all the time, yep. and they get real pretentious about it, and they really act like they're actors. Yeah. And boy, is that exhausting. Yeah. Um. So the but we're not actors. No. We are just props. And so when you realize that that we are just if if anyone notices you in this movie, then you are you not did it a, wrong. you are did it, doing it wrong. Yeah. And so the whole purpose of being a background actor is that you are to support other people, which made me think about this interesting thing about how often, especially in ministry, that we are there not to draw attention to ourselves, but to to support other people. Yeah, that's I uh the, for, so bunch of thoughts. One uh, a little bunch of years ago, there was a horrible movie. Uh, called American Pastoral. Yeah. That, uh, Who's in that? Ewan McGregor is in that movie and someone else. Yeah, I kind of, I've heard of it. Yeah, it's it's real bad, but it was shot and filmed uh, at Pittsburgh Theological Seminary. Why? Because they needed an insane asylum. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, so our school, my school, uh, the whole line, like you, you don't have to be crazy to go to school here but it helps like there's some truth to that but anyway it was a fun day like you and mcgregor obi-wan kenobi's walking around my school uh so we all like didn't do anything that day and just watched them make this movie and i think that there is something to how fun it is to be around the actors in that in that environment um but i think about the anonymity of it all in ministry particularly around my work as a worship leader mm -hmm. um so again a couple weekends ago uh, the band and I went and, up. Yeah, so uh, just to explain, like part of your job is to not be noticed. Well, I mean, part of because I don't do that. Like you play an instrument, you right. are a musician, so you are you you are one of the leaders of the worship band for yeah. one of the worship services. So every week you are playing guitar. Yep. Yeah, yeah, usually guitar. Yeah, sometimes I hop in on drums or yeah. something like that, um, and sometimes singing. Like Most of the time, lead leader. singer. Yeah, yeah, um, but. Uh, and this is an interesting thing because uh, some people will use this as a cop out. And I'll explain in a minute. But like best case scenario, when I'm leading worship, people won't know I'm there at all. Um, and, and 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 it's you know people trying like humble brag and be like, oh, it's not about me and we're not talented or whatever. Like that's not the same thing as saying you can't be a good musician. Like you have to actually be talented and bring you know a certain amount. Because if you're terrible at it, 
people are going to notice you. And if you're arrogant and showy and looking straight at the camera, people are going to notice you. Um, my best case scenario is if I can help other people engage with God in worship and I'm just the tool in that moment to, to let people do that and then get out of their way. Um, so yeah, it comes up a lot in ministry that we are the, the extras, the background, the background noise, uh, to other people's experience. Yeah. Which is such an interesting thing about, like, I think that, that, um, leadership in general, oftentimes we think of leadership as like, like a, someone leading on a, on a hike. Yeah. Like a trailblazer, like literally like follow this, this person knows where they are. So just we get behind them. And so as leaders, we think of ourselves as people who must be out in the front telling everybody what to do. It's like I'm leading. Simon says, if I don't tell you what to do, you won't be able to do it. Right. I am the aerobics instructor and you need to know the moves by watching me. Yeah. And all, the way like leadership is really just getting people to copy what you're doing. And it is not. No. That. Well, it is at times that. Yeah, it can but be far less than than most people realize and far less than a lot of people who are in leadership allow to yeah. happen. I had a friend, a very dear friend that was teaching me about ministry and leadership, used the analogy of a sailboat. Mm. And the two kinds of leaders are the sails, which are like big and flashy and always present. And like, they might be decorative and like preachers tend to be sales, right? Like we are always noticed. We're always up front. We are always, and there's a lot of leadership in that. Without the sails, the boat doesn't move the, you know, it's, it's part of the deal. Yeah more leaders than not are the rudder Yeah, that's completely submerged underwater. You never see it going, but the boat doesn't move without that either. Yeah. And it's almost more important. Yeah. yeah. Like, like you could have, Cause you can have a boat without sails Yeah, as long as you have oars or something like that. Right. You You'll figure have, it out. You can't have a boat without a rudder. No. Uh, and, and so I, I always think about, there's a lovely couple that come and, and do dinner for us at Veritas and like they give of themselves so much, but I guarantee you that 90% of this church has no idea who they are or what they do. Yeah. Uh, and that's the way they want it. They don't want to be big, flashy, upfront people. But there's an importance to just kind of sitting in the back and steering the ship yeah. in ways that nobody else sees. Well, uh, and I think especially a lot of people get into ministry or get into leadership because they want, they like the attention. Yeah. And they want to be the rock star. Yep. And I mean, especially in youth ministry, you get it because yep. you, you are expected to be that. That you, uh, a lot of people who were in successful youth ministry things saw their youth pastor or the youth leaders and thought, that guy's cool. Yeah. That girl's cool. I want to be like her. And and so when they have this image of what it takes to be a youth leader, it's usually someone who's really cool yeah. and someone who you want to imitate. It's rarely someone who maybe is less showy and just supportive. Yeah. Unless you had a one-on-one -on -one interaction with that person. Um, but really... We don't need rock stars, and rock stars are toxic in leadership. No kidding. Because when people, when those rock stars fail, everyone whose faith was 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 formulated by that person is their faith is based on that person. Yeah. That my faith in God is directly connected to uh, this person's presentation of who it is, and if this person fails, then I don't have anything apart from that. Right. Well, that's the other side of that is, you know, I can't tell you how many times I'll be trying to get a volunteer to come help out with the youth group and the youth ministry. And they will say to me, oh, you don't want me. I'm not cool enough. Yeah. Like that, yeah. that rock star thing. And it's like, no, you're exactly who I want because you're the relational, kind, caring person that will invest in these kids. But there's this myth out there that like if you are not the big flashy Tom Hanks, 
Aubrey Plaza rock star, yeah, then you don't matter. Well, but, and and the the I mean, like you look at the best youth leaders. The best youth leaders are not the cool guys, no, or the cool ladies. Like it's the Ed Sutters. Yeah, it's the people who you like being around them because they help you to see the good stuff that you have. They aren't yeah. just like be like Ed. It's the like Ed is one of those selfless people that is genuinely interested in people who aren't interesting. Yeah. Which is really hard to do. Yep. I, I've often said, and I, I think I said this on here, that one of the hard realities that I learned in youth ministry was that when you go to Kennywood or um, an amusement park or something, it's fun and you want to hang around with the fun kids. Yep. And there's always a kid that goes that nobody wants to hang around. Nobody wants to ride the roller coasters with this kid. Yep. Or nobody wants to sit on the bench with this kid who doesn't want to ride the roller coasters. Yep. Um, but your, that's who yeah, you're called but to. But that's your job. Your job is not to hang out with the cool kids. Cool kids have people hanging with. Now, you don't ignore the cool kids. You still Your job is there. But it's easy to hang around with the cool kids because everybody wants to hang around with the cool kids. Yep. The hard job is to spend time with the kid that nobody likes and to find help them see their value. Yep by finding their value. One of the things that I hate the most in ministry is when people talk about their, uh, especially pastors talk about their congregation as their flock. Yeah. This is my flock because inherently what you're saying is I am a shepherd and they are the sheep. Yeah. And there is nowhere in scripture that compares leaders in the church to shepherds. No. It compares Jesus to a shepherd. Right. And when we call ourselves shepherds, we are calling ourselves Jesus. And that is a toxic yeah. thing to think of. And so when you being a leader is not being a shepherd, being a leader is being a sheep that knows the voice of the shepherd. Yes. And that is huge in terms of the difference because sheep are dumb. <laughs> and we so when you say I'm a shepherd and you're sheep, you're saying you're all stupid and I'm smart. So just yeah. stick with me and I'll protect you. No. Nope. That is not what leaders are. Leaders are saying, I am also dumb, but I at least know one thing, yep. which is this voice. And you can know that too. And then you won't need me yeah. because you won't need me to point out the voice. I'm you just helping you. It. Yeah. That a, a good leader is training wheels. Yep. A good leader, uh, anyone's faith will outlast the relationship that they have with that leader. And you see that the most in youth ministry is that they're going to graduate and leave and you still have a relationship. But if, if, if as a youth leader, someone's faith relied on the relationship they had with you, then they're going to have a real hard faith once they go to a college or move away or become an adult where they don't get to see you every week. Yeah. Um, I've been listening to this podcast, uh, a guy sermon, one of my college students went to Portland for a, for a internship a while back. It's called Bridgetown church. And I've not listened to it enough to know whether I'm endorsing them or not. Yeah, so take yeah. that with a grain of salt. Yeah. Um, but one of the things he keeps saying, you can tell it's kind of in his vocabulary is he keeps talking about his apprenticeship or our apprenticeship to Jesus. Yeah. And I love that phrasing of like, I'm not apprenticed to this pastor. I'm not apprenticed to this leader. I'm not apprenticed to this church. I'm apprenticing to Jesus himself. And that's, that's where my attention is. And you have a lot of help in that. You have a lot of people that point the way. Um, but it's exactly to that point. You're not, you're not following me, the pastor. You're following no. Jesus, the, the the true shepherd. And that's a real easy temptation to have to to say, uh, because that's the model that we have for most cases. Most leaders are saying, "Just follow me. Just do what I do, because yeah. I know what I'm doing." And not that as a as a pastor or as a leader in the church or, or anywhere else that you shouldn't have knowledge. Like you should have knowledge, but that knowledge should always be in the humility of knowing that I don't necessarily know everything. I may lead you in the wrong way. 
and you, there are times where I'm going to need you to say, I don't know if we should go this way. Yeah. And a good leader is someone who is just learning along with you. Yep. That, that, that the best teachers are teachers who are still learning mm-hmm. and willing to learn from people like that, that, um, that we need to recognize that we're not the stars of this show. Like to right. take it back to the background thing that the message of the youth uh, of the, of the praise band is not, wow, listen to that singer. Listen to this. The musicians, it's not like the lead guitarist is there. Like all of this is an offering. And when it stops being an offering and starts being a performance, then we have gotten in the way of what God is doing. Which, and again, this is a balancing act, particularly in music. Cause like I've heard bands, worship teams, whatever, use this as justification for just being like, okay. Yeah. No, 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 no. No, you have to be good enough to have to show up and put in the work. You have to be disciplined enough to be good at what you do. Yeah. Um, but you don't celebrate that talent or goodness. Yeah. And all that goodness should point to something apart from you. Right. Like that as a pastor, you, you should be knowledgeable as a leader in anything. You should be knowledgeable as a teacher. You should, you should do all you can to, to become an expert on this thing. Yeah. So that, yeah, you do know more than other people, but if you ever know, if, if that knowledge ever becomes a, um, a, a, point of pride that separates you and elevates you above other people, then you're using it in the wrong way. The knowledge of any subject should just mean that you now have the ability to help others to, to see the value in this thing. That when I was teaching history, the goal wasn't to be smarter than the kids. The goal was to help the kids see that this is an exciting thing that you can do this too. And that when we, uh, intentionally allow ourselves to not be the center of attention. Even when you are the center of attention, it should be pointing to somewhere else. Yeah. Um, then that's a huge thing. And I think one of the things in the church, one of the thing, one of the problems that people have with the church more than anything is that it's filled with rock star pastors. We talked yeah. about this with the preacher sneakers. Yeah, oh my gosh. Uh, and, and I mean, there, there are so many, it, any pastor whose name, you know, is usually because they're a rock star that yep. they want you to know that they're a rock star. Yep. And even the ones that do a good job of kind of stepping aside, don't do a great job of it. Nope. The hair attack Rob Bell is a rock star yep. and he's fine with being a rock star. He's constantly trying to say like, well, there's something else, but he doesn't even talk about Jesus anymore. Well, no, and that, you know, I, I like him a lot, but he is the epitome of this. Oh, absolutely. And that he has turned himself into a brand. Yeah. Um, he is not even with the church anymore. No. It's just Rob it's Bell. Bell.com. Right. Like I, and I, it's again, even the Rob cast. Right. Like I love yeah. the show, I love the thoughts, I love the theology, but there's a bit of me that goes, "Ah, oh, come on, man." He's a guru, yeah. And gurus are people that you go to be enlightened by, right? Not to be, um, to to live along with, right? And that's le- like real leadership is a willingness to that we're in this together, yeah. Not uh, um, come climb the mountain to receive the wisdom with which I have gained and yeah. kneel at my feet so I can teach you yeah. young Padawan. <laughs> yeah. That's not how it works. Yeah. We're not Yoda. No, thank God. No. Part of the, the analogy of the rudder and the sails is you are never always one. No. Um, I am a big time sales, not salesperson, but like <laughs> I'm a, <laughs> I'm a sale type leader in this church, in this building, in this congregation. I'm the upfront preacher. I'm leading the Bible studies. Like I am in front a lot. Yeah. Uh, when I step back and play drums with my friends on the weekend, I'm the rudder. Yeah. Right. Like the, you, you kind of very much so. Right. Yeah. You, you can shift in and out. So here's my question. In what areas of life are you an upfront type person? And in what areas of life are you the behind the scenes rudder type person? Yeah. Cause I think even naming those spaces for yourself is an interesting exercise of like, 
where am I the big upfront person? Not to say that you're the rock star all the time, but the places where you are the defined upfront leader yeah. versus the times you're a supporting role. Yeah. The, the other thing that I would say about leadership, and, and this is uh, just uh, as a kind of concluding thought, but to connect it back to something that we talked about uh, in the white supremacy episode, mm-hmm. who would have thought that that's a connection, is um, to abdicate. Yes. The, the, and abdication means to give up power. A true leader is someone who is giving opportunities for other people to shine. Like yes. a background actor, like a, like a drummer, that our point is not to be the rock star, but to give opportunity. And when you have the power of leadership, you have the pulpit. Yeah. You have the microphone. You can and give it to someone ha- else. Yeah. And yeah, having the that space means that you have the opportunity to give it to someone else. And in real leadership, we are preparing people to take that spot and and modeling that an actual a leader gives voice to other people. Yes. And particularly uh, for the two of us, we are white men who in our culture, we have tremendous power. Yeah. Be, we are white middle class men, which is the most highly valued thing that you can be in our society, which is gross, but that's the reality. Yeah. And so it's it, it's beholden upon us to recognize that power, to recognize that we have the opportunity to do all these things and to step out of the way. And and that's actively, we have to find spots to do it because people are constantly going to say, well, what do you think, Pastor? What do you think, white man? Right. Um, and we need to recognize that when, when we're given that opportunity, when someone says, what do you think? We can say, well, I don't know what does this this person think yeah like i don't know other person person who doesn't who doesn't have the microphone in their face what are but what do you think person of color what do you think woman who is undervalued what do you think young person right who people don't think of to like not only to ask them to be informed by them but to actively give them the opportunity to be the 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 voice that is the one that's being heard i mean case in point this month uh in march i i set aside mostly because i'm lazy <laughs> um i wanted to have guest speakers come and speak at youth group which yep. For me in my ministry, for as much as I love preaching on Sunday morning, that is the the, the microphone of power yeah. to speak to the young people. Yeah. Um, it's the and, place of influence. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and I wanted guest speakers again because I'm lazy. I only had one white guy, but then he had something else to do that week. I don't know who that would be. I don't have any idea. Uh, but I went out of my way to make sure that I had a woman at the table, uh, that I had a person of color at the table, that, that the guest speakers would be that. And you got to be careful of that because not in a tokenized way. Yeah, you don't way. want to tokenize them, which uh, is hard. And right. it's a, all of this is a balancing act. And we're going to screw up and it's yeah. just keep trying to be better 100%. at it. 100%. Yeah. I think, I don't know, for me at least, I think the way I didn't tokenize it was for this series in particular, I have no agenda to it. Yeah. So I just hand them the microphone and say, yeah, there pe- wasn't any, here's the theme for the month. No, yeah. people were like, what should I talk about? And I, my response back to that has been whatever you most want to talk about. Yeah. Uh, and, and just, it, it's yours. It's actually yours. It's not just me tokenizing you or yeah. saying, Oh look, I have a couple here's black friends too. Speak right. About, yeah. No, this is, I'm giving you a microphone to speak to people however you see fit and with whatever power I can give to you in that moment. Um, I'm going to abdicate it. Yeah. Yeah, I had um, and, and a similar thing to, to pat myself on the back. Yeah, <laughs> uh, not that you're doing that, and I, I don't, I'm not trying to do that, so yeah. I don't don't hear this as that. But uh, there's uh, um, a friend of ours talked about how um, Easter is a time where you never hear from women. Yeah, like because it's the rock star, it's the most important Sunday, and most heads of staff, most solo pastors are men. And there, uh, if it, you never hear from associates, nope. associates never get to preach on Easter. Nope. And most oftentimes women are associates. And so you don't hear from women. And I heard that and I thought, I'm a pastor. I'm a solo pastor. I don't have any women on staff. Boy, it'd be a shame. It'd be nice if I could. But also I can bring in guest preachers. And yeah. so from that, I thought, well, why wouldn't I bring in a woman to speak on Easter? 
I can think of a lot of reasons why I wouldn't because no one expects me to because people may be annoyed if I have a guest preacher yep. come in, especially if I'm still there. Like, why are we not hearing from our pastor? Like, people expect it. And and that is all the more reason to do it. Yeah. And so I invited um, this person to come speak at it's, – it's Laura Bentley. I don't yeah. know I'm not yeah. – <laughs> I invited Bentley to come speak at my my church uh, to be the, the preacher on Easter Sunday. And, again, I don't want to tokenize her. Right. Um, and it's a shame that we don't have uh, – I mean, uh, uh, well, there's nobody else on staff really. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, But I, I really want to hear what, what – uh, like what she, the message that she has as a, as a woman on Easter Sunday because – and the real point on Easter Sunday is that – all of the people who see the risen Christ on Easter Sunday are women, yep. without exception. Yep. That the only way that this whole thing works is that we have to believe women. And if we aren't valuing the voice of women and believing women when they talk on Easter Sunday, then we have no faith. Preach there on. is no church without the voice of women. And yet we don't, we either actively repress it or we- We're ignorant we, to it. Yeah, we systematically allow the it to continue to be oppressed. And yep. so the only way that that's going to change is if we actively move out of that. I would not have done that on my own. I wouldn't even thought that that was a thing until Bentley said that. And I thought, oh, yeah. Hey, wait. Oh, man, it's a shame that I don't have someone. Oh, wait, I do know someone. Oh, she's an associate. She's probably not going to be preaching at her church, so she's probably available. Right. As long as her church, like, releases her. And it's a, she was released, so she's yeah. going to preach on Sunday. So if you're looking for a woman pastor on uh, Easter Sunday... Bentley's taken. Bentley, Bentley's taken, but you can <laughs> you can join us at Wexford Community Presbyterian Church, where Laura Bentley's going to bring the heat on yeah. Easter Sunday. I'm busy that day. It'll be recorded, so okay, it'll good, be available good, good. too. So uh, come come here, and I am so excited to hear what she has to say. Like yeah. I want to hear a, a woman. Uh, I want to hear a preacher who is a female voice, not a not a woman pastor, because there's no difference right. in that. But I w- that's a voice that we undervalue, and I'm excited to hear about it on Easter. Yeah. And that's, and again, I'm not patting myself on the back because I wouldn't oh, have no. done that otherwise, but that's the kind of thing well, that take we need these, to do. Take these as examples. Yeah. This, this, this is not to say, look at us, aren't we awesome? This is to say, and I, 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 echoing the, we will screw this up. Yeah. I think I'm with Rob that abdicating power is one of the hardest parts oh, of it. Especially because you have to recognize it. And yep. then it's really, it's and it's hard to do it as a, as a routine practice, not just as a single time. The real, the real test is how often am I going to uh, elevate uh, women voices within the church and beyond this one yeah. thing. We can't just look back and be like, remember that one time right. we had a, a lady I did it, checkbox. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And like we that. could keep pointing back to how great we are. Right. That's that's tokenizing. Yeah, the look, minute I've you're done a with- a black friend, so the, yeah. The minute you're done with this one, you start planning the next one. Yep, um, yep. And, 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 just, and doing that within the community too. Yep. So how do we elevate you? Yeah. So uh, thanks, Bentley, for that idea. And to all of us, the real sign of being a leader is how do I then uh, use, I've been given this, this, seat of power how do i use this power to empower others yeah Da-da-da-da. so twitter question for today yes we have articulated some ways in which you could uh be supporters of other people uh what are some things in your life where you found opportunities to maybe step back out of the limelight and and give other people the opportunity where where have you been in the background yes. in order to help other people be in the foreground intentionally so yeah not just like stumbled into the background but like actually moved out of the way and where and, and along with that maybe there's times where you've noticed other people have done that for you yeah uh, i think that that's that's what has helped me in my life to be more of a champion of other people is to recognize how clearly people have done that for me yep and how and and especially I mean part of that that's part of one of the the bigger things to me about growing up is to recognize oh it's not just me I didn't just deserve it like that's when I was younger and I didn't get the limelight I got really mad it's like it's my time right and then when I finally got it I at first I didn't recognize that people were giving it to me I was like fine well of course like it's my turn like get out of the way 
But then as I matured a little bit, uh, a little bit, uh, <laughs> uh, I realized that uh, uh, I only have this spot because someone gave it to me and realizing the power behind that. And then uh, as I got to a point where I did have the microphone more than others, it was really important to yeah, empower the people. So when, when does that happen in your life? Mm. Let us know at Rough the Pastor on Twitter, yeah. yes, at yes. Roughing the Pastor on Instagram. Indeed. And uh, we've got, if my math is right, coming up next week. Oh, yeah. Will be our 52nd episode. It's the Sweet Diamond Jubilee, which would be, is that the one year or is that the wrap? That's the that's the end of the year. That oh. completes the year. Never mind. But that's nice, though. Yeah, yeah. So that's a good wrap up. Yeah. Good. It's our preversary. It ties it in a bow. It's the penultimate. Yeah. Episode no season one yeah it's the ultimate close. episode of, of yeah season one now we're gonna continue right into season two season yeah, two starts the it. next week uh, but but yeah so uh, that's either our year anniversary or it's the last episode of our first year but uh, yeah continue what you were saying yeah uh, so we're gonna celebrate uh, Woo! something either the end of one or the beginning of another or both or both yeah who knows just like New Year's Eve you celebrate the end and then the beginning right well so, till, till then. I've been Jay. And I've been Tyler for almost a year. And this has been Roughing the Pastor. Pastor.